Ephesians chapter 3, verse number 14. How many brought your Bibles? Ephesians 3, verse 14. For this reason I bow my knees unto the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, from whom the whole family in heaven and earth is named. Whom the whole family in heaven, where is it at? Heaven and earth. So we have family in heaven and earth. Uh, and we're talking about the church. And what really what I want to talk to you about tonight is we've been continuing our teaching on the church, the local church. I want to talk to you about some characteristics of a healthy local church. Characteristics of a healthy local church. There's a lot of churches. There's a bunch of churches in this city. But not all of them, and uh, at times, our church has not been a healthy church. There's a difference between, you can have a building with a name out there as church, but that doesn't mean it's a healthy church. So let's talk about some characteristics, and we'll continue this next Wednesday night. Uh, characteristics of a healthy church. Now, the word church is used two ways in the New Testament. The church is God's family in two locations. The church is God's family in two locations, heaven and earth. That's what he says in verse 14 and 15. For this reason I bow my knees to the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, from whom the whole family in heaven and the whole family in earth is named. So the church is God's family in two locations, heaven and earth. People that are in heaven, gone home to be with the Lord, our loved ones who knew Christ, they're part of the church in heaven. And we who know Jesus that are still alive, we're part of the church on earth. Now here's something you need to understand. The invisible or universal church is all born-again believers regardless of time and space. The Bible refers to the word church in two ways. A universal church, which is all born-again believers regardless of time and space. That could be your loved ones, my loved ones, my grandparents who knew Jesus as Lord and Savior, who served Him for years. They've died. They've left their earthly bodies. Uh, and now they're in the, with the Lord in heaven. So they are part of the church, the universal church. They're not a part of a local church here on earth, but they're still as much a part of the church, the universal church. The universal church is physically separated but it's still spiritually connected. Think about that. The universal church, the one that's in heaven, and not only the people that are in heaven, but people who are in another country or people who are in another state. They're not a part of our local church or the local church of Murfreesboro, but they are part of the universal church. The universal church is physically separated but spiritually connected. Physically separated, but spiritually connected. You know as well as I do. You can talk to Christians who go to a church in another state. You might not have ever talked to them before, but you meet them at a restaurant or something, and all of a sudden you can just, your spirit just connects with their spirit. And you'll start talking, and they'll say some words that'll let you know, man, they know the Lord. Or we've been in restaurants and we'll watch people and, and before they'll uh, eat their meal, they'll bow their heads and pray. And all of a sudden, there's just a kindred spirit with them. They might not attend the local assembly or church that we go to, but there is a spiritual connection. So the universal church is physically separated, but it's spiritually connected. 
Look at Hebrews chapter 12. Turn over to Hebrews chapter 12, verse number 1. The writer of Hebrews says this, Therefore, since we are surrounded, we are surrounded by such a huge crowd of witnesses to the life of faith, let us strip off every weight that slows us down, especially the sin that so easily trips us up, and let us run with endurance the race that God has set before us. Now, we're talking about the universal church. The universal church, understand this, even though we are physically separated in the universal church, they don't have to be here in this state or here in this country or even on this earth. Even though we're physically separated, we are spiritually united to them through our relationship with the Father through our Lord Jesus Christ. We're still spiritually united. Now this scripture, Hebrews 12.1, look what it says again. Go back to Hebrews 12.1, put that up there. Since we are surrounded by such a huge crowd of witnesses to the life of faith, this scripture even indicates that our family in heaven, this scripture, put up the next screen, bud. This scripture indicates that our family in heaven may witness in some measure our spiritual progress on earth. This scripture indicates that our family in heaven may witness some of our spiritual, uh, or some measure, our spiritual progress here on earth. The Bible doesn't tell us what they see. The Bible doesn't tells us, uh, categorize the events in our life <coughs> but they, that they see. But it says we are surrounded by a great cloud of witnesses. So in other words, they witness to some things that we're, that we're encountering and we're going through. They are a witness to it. In other words, they to some measure are aware of things that we are going through in our walk with the Lord. So we, we're, we're talking about... Need to, now, don't get in the ditch on that. Don't get in the ditch. People have a tendency to get in the ditch on these type of things. And uh, they'll start... It doesn't mean we pray to them. We don't pray to them. They might be able to witness some things that we're going on here, but we don't pray to them. They're not going to go to God for us. Right. Uh, you know, there's a, there's a group, a religious group, that prays to their ancestors. And you, you, listen, don't waste your breath. Your ancestors can't answer your prayers. And, and even though they might witness some things, they're really not that interested. And, I mean, if they're in the presence of the Lord, I've been there, uh, you really are not interested in things on earth. Uh, what I, just a personal opinion, I think they, they are, are witness to the things that the Lord wants them to see about their loved ones. All right? That's what I personally believe. I have no scripture to back that up. All right? Now, number two, you've got the universal church, but number two, you've got the visible church. The visible church is the church you can touch, see, and connect with physically. So you've got the universal church or the invisible church, which is, is physically separated but spiritually connected. But then you've got the visible church, the church you can touch, the church that you can see, and the church you can connect with physically. The word church is used 118 times in the Greek New Testament. The word church is used 118 times in the Greek New Testament. Only 14 times is it used to describe the universal 
or invisible church. The remaining 104 references are speaking of the visible or the local church. So when the Bible talks about in the New Testament the church, the vast majority of the time it's referring to a local church, to a church here on earth in a certain city in a certain locale. The visible or local church is a very powerful force. Understand that. The church, the visible local church, is a powerful force. The Bible says it's a powerful force. That's why Satan hates it so much. That's why he does his best to create division in the church. That's why he does his best to get Christians to accuse other Christians. They get us at division and fussing with one another and talking about one another. And, uh, and he hates the local church. He hates it. That's why he works so hard. That's why he works so hard to keep people from coming to church. How many of you have noticed, if you miss a couple of Sundays, just miss a couple of Sundays or maybe three Sundays in a row, how hard it is to go on the fourth Sunday? A lot of people that I talk to who have gotten out of church, who, who used to attend church on a regular basis, were serving in their local church, serving the Lord, and now they're not today. And you talk to them, and most of them, it's not that they've had some big falling out with God. It's not because of some terrible something in their life. They just got distracted. They had a sickness one Sunday, and then they had an emergency situation the next Sunday. And before long... They just got out of the habit of going to church. Does anybody know what I'm talking about? And, and, uh, and that's Satan trying to keep God's people from attending the local church. Why? Because he knows it's a powerful force. Let me prove it to you from Scripture. Turn to Matthew chapter 16. Matthew chapter 16, verse number 18. Jesus is talking to Peter. He says, I say to you that you are Peter... And on this rock, rock of revelation, what it was, Jesus had said to them, Who do men say that I am? And several of the disciples said, Some say you're Elijah. Some say you're Isaiah. Some say you're the other prophets. And Peter says, I say unto you, You are the Christ, the Son of the living God. Jesus said unto him, I say unto you, Peter, and on this rock of revelation that I am the Christ, I'm just not a prophet, I am the Christ, I will build my work. What? church and notice the next phrase and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it notice what the lord says he's going to build his church and immediately the church is going to have resistance it's going to meet resistance but that resistance is not going to win but it didn't mean he wasn't going to have resistance i don't know any church that's accomplishing anything in any city that hadn't had resistance come against it Satan hates the local church. He hates the local church. Satan has hated this church. For years, this church, he's hated this church and tried to keep this church under and to break this church and destroy this church and, and create leadership challenges and, and situations and, and, and people getting mad at one another and things of that nature and leaving, getting mad at the leadership and leaving and then leadership making bad life choices and eras and he's just hated this church why has he tried so hard to keep this church down because of some things we're seeing today 
He didn't want 1,400 people here Sunday to hear the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. And if he could have taken this church out years ago, he would have. And uh, so in every church that's accomplished anything in a community for Christ, it has met resistance. That's what he says. On, on, I will build my church on the revelation that I'm the Christ, and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. And then notice what he says. And I will give you the keys of the kingdom of heaven. And whatever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven, and whatever you loose on earth will be loosed in heaven. Notice he says, the church is a powerful force. He says, hell cannot stand against it. And the church has the keys of heaven. The church. He's talking about the church. We always talk, well, bind that, bind that. Well, you can do that, but he's talking about a church that's in unity is a powerful force. They can call on heaven, and heaven's resources will come to the aid of a local fellowship that comes in agreement one with another. All right? And you, whatever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven. Whatever you loose on earth will be loosed in heaven. So the church is a powerful force. Satan tries to stop it, and God has given us, a local church, the keys to the kingdom of heaven. The big challenge for us is to get in agreement. To get in agreement. What does the Bible say? If two of you agree on earth as touching anything, that what they ever shall they ask, it shall be done of the Father which is in heaven. Get in agreement. Stay in agreement. The thing is not to get our way. The thing is to get in agreement with the will of God. That's the thing, to get in agreement with the will of God. What's God's will? If this is God's will, I just don't like that. I just personally don't like it. It's not about you personally like it. Let me say, you are not God. He's not trying to please you. We need to try to please Him. See? So if we can get ourselves in agreement, we will have the resources of heaven at our disposal to unlock any situation in our city that we need to unlock. But it's the church. Now, let me give you a few characteristics of a healthy church. Number one, the visible church is a local church. It's a local church. The visible church is a local church. The first things about the visible church is that you can see it. You got to be able to see it. You got to be able to see it. I've had people, after I've been in this almost 38 years, I've heard everything just about. People say, well, I'm a member of the... I'm a member of the church. Where do you go? Well, I'm just, we just, I just, I just go to a mountain and we meet. And, and there's other people on other mountains. And we all at the same time go and we're on the top of a mountain getting in touch with God and we meet. Listen, the visible church is a church you can see. That means it is near to where you live. People say, well, I'm a member of, I'm a member of, uh, of Saddleback Church in California. No, you're not. Not if you live in Murfreesboro, Tennessee. You're not a member of... Well, I'm a member of Elevation Church, Steve Furtick's church. No, you're not. He's a wonderful preacher, and that's a wonderful church. But you're not a member of his church if you live in Murfreesboro, Tennessee. The local church is one you can see. It's where, where you live. Every believer need to discover the place near them where they can participate in God's church. You know, over the years, you know, well, I just don't believe in organized religion. Well, how's unorganized religion working out for you? That's chaos. See, people, Christians who don't want, do not want to be a part of a local church, 
They don't want accountability. Let's just, let's just get down to where it lives. People who do not want to be a part of a local church, they don't want accountability. They don't want to be told anything to do. They want to live their life. Okay, sirrah, sirrah, whatever will be, will be. That's not God's will. It's not the way God created us. Look at Acts chapter 4, verse 23. Um, the disciples had just been threatened. Um, they just healed the lame man at the gate called Beautiful. And uh, this was right after the day of Pentecost. And um, Peter and John just got threatened, in fact, taken into prison for an overnight stay. And the, San, uh, the leaders of the uh, Judaism and leaders of Rome called them in and threatened them. And right after they were threatened, look what it says in verse 23. Acts chapter 4, verse 23. And being let go, they went to their own companions and reported all that the chief priests and elders had said to them. Notice, where did they go when they got in trouble? They went to their own companions. They went to their own church. They went to a group of people that they could touch and feel and see. I don't know what people do nowadays when they get in difficult situations if they're not a member of a local church. I just don't know. I just don't know what people do. Look at Acts chapter 15, verse 22. Then it pleased the apostles and elders with the whole church to send chosen men of their company to Antioch with Paul and Barnabas, namely Judas, who was also named Barsabbas and Silas, leading, leading men above the, among the brethren. Notice it was a group of people that they could touch and see that sent missionaries out. A group of people that they could touch and see that sent missionaries out. So the visible church is a, is a local church. It's local. It's a local church. Number two, the visible church is a community of regenerated people. It's a community of regenerated people. Born-again people. The local church is more than property. It's more than buildings. It's more than a parking lot. We use that terminology all the time. Well, we're going over to the church. Well, really, we understand what you're talking about, but it's, the church is not a building. It's not property. It's not a parking lot. It's regenerated people. It's not a social club. We have some churches in this city that's a social club. It's not an educational center. Although it has, it has social functions, it's not a social club. Totally different. It should be totally different than the country club. It's not an educational center. Although it should teach Christian education. That's part of the role of the church. That's not the only role of the church. A nonprofit organization, it's not just a nonprofit organization raising money that's not taxed. Or neither is it just a relief agency. Nowadays, a church doesn't get a lot of emphasis in a community unless they're doing something in a relief agency. Well, the church is not a relief agency, it's something that the church should do. We should be involved in helping the less fortunate and, and helping people that need help. Of course, of course. But that's not the only role of the church. The church is a community of people who have been born again by faith in Jesus and called together into a loving relationship. That's who the church is. A community of people who've been born again. The first thing that brings us together shouldn't be that we like to study. And the first thing that brings us together shouldn't be we like to help the homeless. We want to study. 
and we want to help the homeless, but that's not the first thing that brings us together. The first thing that brings us together is we're both in love with Jesus Christ. And He's changed our heart, and He's changed our life. That's what the foundation of the church is all about. Simply attending services, simply attending services does not make one a part of the church community. We must have a genuine work, genuine work of the Holy Spirit creating a new heart on the inside of us in order to be an authentic member of a local church. Well, I go to so and I go to so and so church. Well, if you go to that church and you haven't had an authentic work of the Holy Spirit that brings about a change in you, that causes you to connect with those people spiritually, then you're just attending and uh, instead of a part of a local church. You know, unfortunately, many churches today have just turned into a place for good, clean entertainment. Many churches today have just turned into a place for good, clean entertainment. Nothing wrong with good, clean entertainment, but that's not the role of the church. The church is a place where authentic, reborn again, regenerated Christians connect together of like faith to live out life and their Christian faith. It involves relief. It involves education. It involves social. But those are the byproducts. The thing that brings us together is our like faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. The word community means to share a place intimately with others. The word community means to share a place intimately with others. God has called the church to be a community who follow Jesus and experience his transforming life together. I like to say it this way. The local church is a community of faith within a community of darkness. The local church is a community of faith within a community of darkness. What did Jesus say? Look at Matthew chapter 5. Matthew chapter 5, verse number 14. Jesus said this, You, talking to the Christians, you are the light of the world. A city that is set on a hill cannot be hidden, nor do they light a lamp and put it under a basket, but on a lampstand, and it gives light to all who are in the house. Let your light so shine before men that they may see your good works and glorify your Father in heaven. Now, one of the ways, but not the only way, but one of the ways we are light to the world and demonstrate God's love to our community is by loving one another. Is by loving one another. At any time in our city, you can go throughout our city and talk to people in general, general context, and they'll talk about, they know about churches that are in the midst of a, civil war inside their church they can tell you that they can tell you that because that news spreads but the world when the world sees the church people loving one another it is a witness of god's grace to a lost world not just loving people in the world but loving one another 
Notice what he says again. What did that scripture say again? Look at John chapter 13. Look at John chapter 13, verse 34. A new commandment I give to you, that you love who? Not the world. Yes, we love the world. Of course we love the world. But real love begins in the church house. We love one another. It's easy to love people you don't see but once a month. It's easy to love the person on the side of the road that you pass by and and give them a dollar or give them a hamburger. It's easy to love them. You don't have to live with them. But people you set by a couple of times, two or three times, four times a month, now that and, and you live life with them, sometimes those people can be difficult to love. See? But notice what he says, a new commandment I give to you. You love one another. Love one another, love one another, love one another. As I have loved you, that you should also love one another. One another, one another. Why? By this, all. By this, all. All in the church? No, 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 no. All. By this, all will know that you are my disciples if you have love for one another. Isn't it amazing? Isn't that amazing how the Bible says if we'll get along and love one another within our local church, this whole community will know that we're disciples of the Lord Jesus Christ. Now, one of the most disappointing things to do is to go out and be big on going out and telling people that Jesus loves them, and then you can't even get along with your brothers that you set beside in your local church. Something's wrong with that face. You go out and, well, we're going to go out and witness. We're going out door to door. We're going to go out and do this. We're going to go out street. We're going to go out. But then you can't get along with people in your local church. Something's wrong with that faith. Look at John chapter 17, verse 20. John chapter 17, verse 20. I do not pray for these alone, Jesus says, but also for those who will believe in me through their word, that they all may be one as you, Father, are in me and I in you that they also may be one in us, that the world, that the world may believe that you sent me, and the glory which you give me I have given them, that they may be one just as we are one, I and them and you and me, that they may be perfect in one, and that the world may know that you have sent me and have loved them as you have loved me. Notice the world recognizes the love of God by witnessing the love and unity of the church family. Of the church family. We call ourselves intentionally a family. We are family worship center. We're not a concert hall. We're not a school auditorium. We are a family. And we work to make that family work. It's tough. It's tough to keep your family together. It's tough to keep everybody happy when you only get together once a year at Thanksgiving. Can you imagine how tough it is to keep everybody happy when we meet together two and three times a week? It can be a full-time job. It'll make a fat boy's hair turn gray. (laughs) Time. Number three. The visible church is a gathering. It's a gathering. It's a gathering. The visible church is a gathering. Look at Hebrews 10, 25. Let us not neglect our meeting together, as some people do, but encourage one another, especially now that the day of his return is drawing near. The word church in the original text describes a, um, an assembly of people called out of their homes to a public meeting or a council. 
So I like to say it this way. The word church is best translated. In fact, the word church is best translated, those called to meet together. It's those called to meet together. We're gathering. Meeting together was a basic understanding of the early church. Meeting together. Well, I'm a Christian, but I, I just don't go to church. I don't go to church. Well, there are some Christians. There are some Christians. It's on down there, bud, below the scriptures. There are some Christians who do not understand the importance of being physically present with fellow believers each week. There are some who just don't understand. Many Christians believe that since they have a personal relationship with the Heavenly Father, they have no need for commitment to a local church. Many fail to understand that many of the things God has designed for their lives can only be received through a living connection with others in a local church. There's only some things God can do for me, through me, and to me by be being a part of a gathering with other people. Many fail to understand that many of the things God has designed for their life can only be received through a living connection with others in a local church. Here's something to understand. When we gather with our spiritual family, there are supernatural gifts that are exercised, revelations presented, and spiritual practices that we participate in and ministry that we receive that is not available when we are not with our spiritual family. There's just some things. I don't know how it works. I can't figure it out. But there are some things you can't receive doing Bible study at home. Bible study at home is wonderful. Bible study at home is needed. But there are just some things that the Spirit will only do when people get together and worship. There's some anointings. There's some anointings that the intensity is only great when people get together in unity and worship. Amanda and I worship a lot in our home. We worship a lot in our home. We play worship music. We play uh, Christian music. And we worship a lot in our home. And it's wonderful and it's great and it's needed. But there's only some things that will happen is when God's people get together and worship. There's only some things that will happen that way. So, but some people don't understand. They think all I need is my relationship with the Lord. They don't understand that there's some anointing, some supernatural gifts that won't be exercised in your bedroom by yourself. Some revelations only come when you're with a gathering of people. And some spiritual practices that we participate in and ministry that we receive is not available unless we're doing it with our spiritual family. I want, could I get a couple ushers to help me here? Uh, a couple of you guys help me here? Um, come up here and help me. I didn't tell them beforehand, so I apologize. We'll close with this. Um, just, uh, just pass one out to everybody. I think I've got enough for everybody here. Uh, the fourth thing is the visible church has a creed. It has a creed. The visible church has a creed. It has a doctrine of beliefs. It has a doctrine of beliefs. 
if you're going to be a part of a local church, you need to know what it believes. Uh, I talk to Christians every day. They say, I go so and such church. I go so and such church. I say, oh, wonderful. I don't know anything about that church. What does that church believe? And I hear this all the time. Well, I don't know. I don't know. Uh, a good, healthy church, the people knows what it believes. They know what it believes. So I've, I've made a list of um, what we believe as far as biblical beliefs for you here. Uh, so I want you to, to take and look at this. Biblical beliefs in what we believe. You take this, take it home. Uh, if you'd like to have scripture, there's scriptures for every one of these. I just didn't have time. I didn't have space on this little page uh, to put all the scriptures. So uh, if you'd like to have scriptures, you just email me and I'll send you the scriptures for these. But this is these are called the 16 fundamental truths. This is the biblical things that we believe, all right? And it's important that you know those. So when people ask you, what do you believe? You believe in the Trinity? Yeah, we believe in the Trinity. Uh, you believe every man is created good and every man's a child of God? No, we don't believe that. We don't believe that every man's a child of God. We believe man fell. And only those who are born again are children of the Most High God. That's what we believe. Uh, do you believe in a final judgment? Yeah, we believe every man's going to stand before God and give an account of things he's done in his body, whether good or bad. Do you believe in heaven? Oh, yeah, thank God. Oh, boy, we better hope there's a heaven. All right. So uh, these are just 16 things that our church believes. All right. And here's the wonderful thing. These are the 16 things that this church believed in 1953 when this church was started. And we haven't changed 16 things we our styles changed our methods changed places locations change buildings change leadership changes but what we believed has never changed and now over 40 or 50 55 years still the same stand with me would you